Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. And if you uh, notice things sound a little different with us, we have both been sick. Yay! <laughs> Happy <Ooh>. holidays. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Tell uh, you what, mine, mine got me good. That's okay. You know, uh, it's part of it. Uh, it could be worse. I know COVID's been having an upsurge. And uh, just general, like f- the flu and all sorts of other, all the illnesses, they've all kind of come out. Mm-hmm. Colds are rampant again. Yeah. Honestly, I, like, I started to get worried that mine might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I took two tests before I left the house to go to the in-laws, and they were both expired. And so mm-hmm. not even the control line was showing up. Oh. I was like, these are really, <laughs> really shot. Wait. They have expiration dates? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, like at that point, I wasn't really worried about it. But I was like, right. yeah, we're going out of town. So when mm-hmm. they both, like, didn't really work, I was like, eh, it's not COVID. And then, uh, mm-hmm. like, when we were on our way back home or something from their place, I was like, I can't smell anything. And she's like, duh. Oh. You hadn't been able to breathe through your nose for three days. Yeah, right? Of course, you can't smell anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, babe, I can't smell anything. She says, <laughs> Yeah, you can't breathe through your nose. You kind of so. need air moving across that stuff. Yeah. Right so. now it's clogged with all the junk. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, uh <laughs> well, Yeah, so. Yeah. But what, it, what got you? Uh, I don't know. I it, it, Based on last time I had COVID-19, I it almost felt like it was a small resurgence of the pneumonia I had. Not pneumonia. Mm. What was it? Uh Bronchitis. Bronchitis. No, was it bronchitis? Yeah, a small version of a bronchitis. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's happened to me in the past where I had it and then I kind of get it pretty a little bit easier. Um, I, it was hard to breathe for a little bit. I mean, like a little bit, and I had a low grade fever, nothing big. It was enough right. to just feel off and out of kil- out of kilter. So I sat and I just watched some stuff that I wanted to watch. I just enjoyed the day being on the couch. I had nothing else to do. It was like two days before Christmas or something. I had the day off. So I didn't I didn't know anybody anything. It felt great. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um yeah, yeah I got uh let's see, I took I'm trying to remember I, I thought I was I was at work Thursday, but I took I took the Friday off. We went up to the in-laws, yeah. And then I ended up having the Monday off. Yeah. So. Yeah, this holiday was a pretty awesome one where where there's so many it's situated right around the holiday, all the extra days off made a really long weekend. Which I recognize is a uh, benefit of the roles that we're currently in. Um, I would not necessarily normally get a four-day weekend right there mm-hmm. at Christmas, and I recognize that not everybody else Has is this, going to. Right, exactly. Right. So, so we're, we're for all those people who, who were out there uh, helping us idiots who waited till last minute, <laughs> we appreciate that you're in the stores helping us get. Uh, pick up the things we needed to either from the grocery stores or the toy stores or whatever it was. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's, it's what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I'm always grateful that I can have a little bit of, it's just nice. I don't have vacation time at the minute. Um, I think I have one day I've accrued, so not quite enough to pull it off. We did have one floating holiday, which we've dedicated for next week or sorry, it was two days from now, two days from now. Nice. Yeah. So. That was nice. I didn't have to spend the vac- the one vacation day I had. So that'd be fun. Yeah, I get to save it for next year and do stuff with it there. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of people that we're thankful for, you know who I'm thankful for? Uh, every one of our listeners and our patrons. Yes and yes. Our patrons uh, for continuing to support us. Um, yeah. I wonder if some have forgotten that they're on auto draft at this point. We which, appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there goes Matt in a coffin. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was too much. Pardon me. <laughs> don't, don't worry, I might go into one myself before we're done. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so, um, um, yeah, we, that, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you guys. Um, and during a time when, uh, again, Matt, Matt's been covering the bill on the website, which is what... At this point, the uh, the patrons are going yep. to cover. Yeah, the, the um, patrons are going to re- basically reimburse me for the expense. Right. So going through a time when you know your work was up in the air, that was, albeit minor, it was just one less thing for you to have to worry about. Yeah. That you know that that was being covered. So anyway. Yeah. Thank you for our patrons who continue to support us. Thank you for our community, our listeners. Um, and there's going to be some thank yous this episode because uh, we yeah. don't have a whole lot to talk about. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I say, well, it's also the, uh, coming on the end of the of the fiscal year, right? It's the end of the, the calendar year. It's time to kind of, you know, I, I naturally, when you look at the new year, you look at like, you look forward and you, you look back. You kind of, I know we do that in at the end of next month, typically, because that's when our anniversary is. So that's where your look is a podcast to look forward and back. But just as people, God, I just, we're coming up on three years. I know. Can you believe it? That's exciting. We got to have some conversations about that too. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, probably actually making it even better than just like it's a normal episode. <laughs> hey, it's the third anniversary <laughs> episode. Um, yeah, we didn't play well, anything. Yeah, we're glad too, you're here. <laughs> maybe it's finally time we roll over into season two. <laughs> we're still we're still posting a season one. Oh, whatever. I I just figured we post our episodes all of season one, and then we just work it. But we might go back and switch that because there is a distinct the beginning season. You know, like you're starting in, and then the second season is something different. Mm-hmm. You know, year two is is less learning about everything, and then more about getting involved. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and sort of what what I meant a minute ago is that Matthew and I talked earlier today and we were like, man, we could maybe talk about this or we maybe talk about that. And so Matthew was working on compiling stuff and we're just, we're at a point where we're, you know, this episode, there's not going to be, as I say, a whole lot of meat in the potatoes. Um, so for that purpose, we're going to try to keep this one shorter because your time is valuable. But we did want to come out as Christmas and New Year's and hang with you guys for a few minutes. Um, we just don't have a major overarching topic like we normally have. And we've both been sick, so I know we had not been getting a whole lot done in the hobby. Right. Um, well, I, I, I had, yeah. My life uh, took a, a happy side detour. Um, at oh. the point that I thought I would have an ample amount of time. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for you for that, by the way. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing. It's just, uh, you know, I've been kind of putting myself on the dating scene, and, and it's, some things have started to pick up on that. So that's all. It's, nice. it's good. It's excited. I'm trying to temper it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
uh, with with modesty and pessimism, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, show notes, uh, show comments. We had uh, a couple comments oh. come in since last time. Um, uh, let's see. Yankee expressed his uh, um, his uh, happiness to have had Dan on the show. He said, I saw Dan in the flight test store at flight fest 2022 last june and i said hi i recognize him uh and just wanted to thank you for all the work he did uh for putting us together the simple scout xl he was very nice to take a few minutes to talk to me dan is as advertised super Mm -hmm. nice guy in a flight test community treasure yeah he really is yeah and then dan popped back Pop back, he was letting us know that he had a blast uh, coming on. MC Maker said, yes, great episode, everyone. Dan inspired me to build the XL Scout, although I couldn't make it a Dawn Patrol. And we'll use his XL 3D print files to finish it nicely. It has been in the queue. I hope to get it uh, get to it soon. I want to try a sunny sky pancake motor uh, to create a radial effect. Thanks for everything, guys. So... Um, MC Maker, when you get that built, uh, be sure to share some pictures. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen, and I guess we'll get into this in a second. I'm going to, that's kind of our, what we were hoping to do. Um, but again, life has been pretty busy. Um, but I, I wanted to, there's a suggestion. I think both of you thought it was a great idea. So we may be continuing to pursue it. Maybe that's what we do on our anniversary episode. We'll kind of mention some things that have been happening lately in the build, build group and build worry, or build group in the the build chat channel. But I mean, people have been really putting together some really cool planes, and uh, it's it's just one of those things that it it's so heartening to see. Um, oh wow, I'm just pacing everywhere, aren't I? Um, basically, uh, our our good friend ten seven four five. Uh, there was some discussion about taking a toy plane, like some, you know, like a Fisher Price kind of toy plane, and making a scale working model that you can then take out to the field and fly, <laughs> like blow it up scale, like a four hundred percent one or something like that. And he he did a great job. He, Where are you looking at that? Uh, go to the bottom of what I sent. I apparently I posted it twice. Jeez, please. Where'd you put it? I put it at the bottom. We'll go over it in a second. But we'll, we'll talk about that in more detail. But it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of sentiment where it's like it's about having fun. It's about, you know, people talking about the hobby and what they – ideas about what they might want to do. And and then with that, they kind of come up with these great, these great ideas. And, you know, one fosters the next, fosters the next. And all of a sudden, um, you know, everybody's having a good time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we'll, we'll, so we'll get into that one in a minute. Um, but yeah, so we, let, why don't we go quickly? And it's going to be very quick. Uh, have you been doing anything in the hobby? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> You've been coughing and, and yeah, I've been coughing and hacking up along. Um, no, other than um, you know, watching a Discord. Uh, I got the flurkin pulled out ready for this weekend. Oh, uh, so we got the build party this weekend. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, I want to see you finish I, that. Yeah. And I will be here. Uh, current plans, my wife will be out of town with her brother okay. for New Year's. 
So I'm planning to be here pretty much from when we start the build party until nice. uh, the ball drops Eastern time. Right. Awesome. That's so, that's tremendous. I will try to be there as long as I can reasonably be there. I'm not sure what my New Year's plans are going to be, but I know they'll be there. I have a couple invites to different parties, I guess. Um, not sure what I'm going to do specifically, trying to figure that out. But um, where's it going with that? But I'll definitely be there for a good long while. Um, we have at the field, uh, we have a potluck um, New Year's gathering. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely want to make uh, bring out a couple planes to that. Um, what I'd love to do is fly them during the week, like as in the next couple days, so that they're actually ready to go officially and i know they fly okay uh, and bring them out and have some fun with the guys out at the field um nice yeah so that so i'm eager to spend a plenty of time uh getting a bunch of those things finished when do you um i don't know maybe you and i need to look at when your field has things going on sure um well this new maybe... year's you want to come up for new year's it's new year's day which is what Sunday? Yeah, be, yeah I guess that's that's not Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, what day is New Year's? Oh my God, I should know this. Yeah, it is Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. No, I, I, no oh, you're man. busy. I got, yeah, I got. I'm already committed at the church. Okay, but no, um, I, I I will make a point to uh, to make sure you know of our events as early as wait, I can get them to you, so that way maybe you and I can join up with them to do stuff. And uh, if we if we have Yankee uh, enough heads up. Yeah, yeah he can, I don't that. think he's the only one. So I've actually had a couple people, and maybe as you, as listeners, uh, give us some feedback as to say what you, you think. Uh, Muttley on our forums, um, now I'm going to blank on his name every time I do. The guy who was with us when we were camping at Flight Fest. Oh, my God, what's the matter with me? Ethan. Ethan, thank you. Ethan, Ethan. Jacobs. Ethan Jacobs. Um, he asked me, he's like, hey, have you ever thought about doing an in-person build night like like you know i don't know rent a room or something <laughs> and i was and i told him i said you know actually i was just talking to um my uh my rec center that i i have my kids you know go to um they're all about community I, mean, I can't tell you how many times uh the director at that one has come to me and said hey look if you've got a community idea you know just pitch it to me we'll see if we can get it to do something and I told him, I said, I'd love to start an indoor flying league. You know, even if it's just for like, you know, from October to whenever the, it goes dark, right? Like from that time mm-hmm. to that time. I know that it's also the time that the basketball court gets used a lot. But even if it's on like a weekend day where nobody's there, right? Like whatever. We pick a time. It'd be like an hour or two and we just do that. And I said, and then we could follow it up with build nights, you know, for the community where we go and build the planes that we go fly in the gym, um, and then I can kind of teach kids some of the flight test methods for, for new kids, kind of get everybody at least in, but I mean, we'd have to kind of tailor them towards the light indoor style flying, but it could foster something that then brings young ideas, you know, young kids into this hobby, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you don't need permits for indoor flying. That's nice. You, you don't need anything. You just got to show up and have it as long as they're okay to have you. Um, and okay, so, I could see that for an in-person build party because right. 
well, try to do like our kind of build parties with our folks. Well, okay. So then, then the, the other thing was just like Yankee has said, Hey, it's like, man, why don't we just have like a, you have a day where like everybody who wants to comes down here field and we just have a fly in like the aviation RC new fly in at like your, see if you can get your local field to host search or something like that. And we'll see what happens. And if, if nothing, it'll be just a couple of us. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then that's when, uh, I was, oh my God, I was telling Mr. Jacobs that we, I'm like, yeah, we could, we could set it up where I could have the build night. I'm like the, the previous day to the fly in, we all meet up at the rec center for like three hours and build. Right. And just have a right. build night the prior night. And then, then we meet up at the field the next morning and have a fly in. So it's a way to have a reunion, have a thing, have the flying at the local field. But again, it's for whoever can make it. And I'm not expecting it would be like tons of people, but yeah. um, I've we've had interest. You know, Dave, for example, he's already said he's like, dude, if you need me to come, I can come down. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, Yankee Mike is always interested, and Ethan is expressed interest in driving up just because it would be fun to build together. Plus, what- wasn't there a buzz saw or something in yep. my area? Yep, buzz bomb, I believe. Buzz who, bomb. Yeah, who lives your way? And I know there's a guy in Maryland who we talk to. We get to build with every once in a while. He's not far away. I'm sure he wouldn't if he was interested in doing that kind of thing. He there's people that we don't hear even hear about who may be up for coming in, and even if it's just a little bit more of a crowded day. Okay. Um, then then let let me boopy public service announcement. This is not an announcement if, of any such event. <laughs> not yet. If yes. you are interested in speaking speaking to our listeners. Yes. If you're interested in this in this idea of getting together in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know. Or we, we or know a done. couple people who are in the area. Yep. But if you are in the area and you know, we, we don't know where everybody is. Uh, if you're in the area or that's a trip for some reason you want to make email us, hop in discord. There's a show notes or a mm-hmm. show comments channel. Yes. Show uh, comments. Use that to reach out to us. Use the contact us form on the website. Um, I know we all, we always say, hey, reach out to us, let us know what you got going on. But seriously, if this is something you'd be interested in, let us know how many folks are out there who are nearby. We may do this anyway, you know, for those <laughs> who are close. Right. Like I go up and hang with Matt for a weekend and we do something. But if you're close enough or willing to make some drive and you are interested in that, let us know because yeah. then we like. If we decide to do it, we've got an idea of a scale of what we're looking at. Right. Um, so please take uh, take the 15 minutes probably it would take to go through whatever process you decide to go through to, to let us know. Yep. Do us that favor. Email. Hey, Joe, how can they email us? <laughs> uh, <laughs> send it to aviationrcnoob <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about the others right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, if you want to do it that way, or you could go through Discord, like Joe mentioned in the show comments. that'd be mm-hmm. Both of those would be wonderful to hear from you guys about that topic. It's definitely something that 
you know, I've, I've heard more than once um, from people who are just like, that would be amazing. Why can't we do that? And my thought is if we could, if we could do it in a couple months before Flight Fest, it'd be a way to test some ideas or maybe get an idea rolling um, to enact when we, if we get to visit up there too. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, but anyway, um, yeah, so there we are. Oh, speaking of flight test or flight fest, I double checked. Your boy is going. Heck yeah. Whoop, whoop. So just had to, just had to make sure that I could. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I know yep. I will have plenty of vacation time by that point. Uh, I oh, will yeah. have a full two weeks by midsummer. So that means that I will not only have my family week, and I will also have a week to be able to, you know, the handful of days we need to go up and do Flight Fest. Nice. I'm, I'm excited about that. Heck, I might even be yeah. able to go and work up there. <sighs> Theoretically. What, at Flight Fest? Like, as long as I can get the work oh, done, you mean they don't re- care. Work remotely. Yeah. I'm already working remotely, but, you know. I don't know, man. Like, it's not what I want to do. Trust me, no, I'd rather take the days off. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 yeah. so much to do. Oh, my God. It's so busy. And it's just so much. It's so good. Anyway. Yeah. Like, good. I had so much to do, and I only flew a couple flights. <laughs> hey, like, have you ever flown your uh, quad, little quadcopter? The Tiny Whoop? Yeah, man. Uh, I've flown it like once. I so mean, have you? That f- is something I need to get out. Okay, it's Christmas. Oh, pretend you got it for Christmas. Oh, you got to take it out and play with it. Oh, look at look at this oh, Christmas look gift. At this. Yeah, better do it. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear more about you flying it around the house. I think it'd be fun. Um, maybe tomorrow I'll try to get it all, and I can bring it up with me. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll pull it. I know I've got I've got two that are about that size. I'll see if I can get one of them uh, working. I can't remember which one. One of them works really well, and one of them doesn't. I think I so, busted a motor or something. Or, t- tonight's a Tuesday, uh, Thursday. Actually, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. I'm heading up to your place because we're doing <laughs> D&D on night, Thursday. And then all Thursday. Yeah, yeah. But we're still recording remotely, so oh go gosh. figure. Yeah. Um, Don't. It, nope. We had to. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it there. It, it worked out all for the better that way. That's right. Um, that'd be good. Okay, well, All right. cool. All right. So now that I've, half of those squirrel moments are over. Um, I was going to say, I think we've got enough potatoes. You want to give us a little bit of meat? Okay, sure. Uh, let's talk about our Discord. Uh, next build night will be December 31st from 11 to 3. On the Discord, go to uh, build hey, the Build Matt, Party channel, and we'll be there. That, that's, that's the day this episode comes out. I know. Get in there. Hurry up. You don't have much time. <laughs> Yeah, Joe. Joe's sitting in there waiting for you He's right now. Not, Joe's waiting for you right now. I can almost guarantee you that. And I'm probably there if you hurry. <laughs> Don't wait. Act now. Call today. Operators are standing <laughs> by. Please give them something to do. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, here's here's some more meat. Um, one of the things that has been going on in the in the hobby. That some of the more updates with the FAA regulations and things like that, there mm. have been two new uh, community-based organizations that have been designated. Uh, the Flight Test Community Association, which is uh, a community association based for uh, non-AMA flying styles. Little foamies, you know, build something, go on your backyard and fly it, right? They want to give you okay. a, a set of rules that you can be safe, and getting started, getting in and flying, and hopefully be able to help you do that 
in your backyard or wherever you fly, they want to help you get that to be designated as a Freya. And they, the, and the whole point is they wanted to get you in on that. Now, F and also the FPV Freedom Coalition, which is more quadcopter-based uh, flying rules, they have a different rule set because they're like, you, according to the remote uh, operations requirements under the FAA as it currently stands, basically you need to, you need to do a line of sight flying uh, first. You have to prove uh, proficiency in line of sight flying before you fly uh, remote, right? Before you fly FPV, first person view. The problem with that is if you're a quad builder, you basically build the quad, you you get all the things going, you hover it, make sure nothing's going wonky, maybe do a little wiggle back and forth, but you're not doing a circuit. You're just making sure it's functioning. And then mm-hmm. you put on the goggles and then you go fly. Because that's the only real way to fly a quadcopter line of sight. They're just too small, most of them, especially the racing quads. They're so small that once they get out about 100 feet or 150 feet, you good luck telling if it's going front or back or side or left or what. Could be upside down. Mm. You don't know. I mean, you have a DJI. I, I guess, you have the button that says it's always level. <laughs> I was and about to say. I, don't I, have to I look guess at the in thing. the case of those Acros, and those true. and those models have that too. But what they do is that's not how they fly, and that's the point of the the their rule set is we know you don't fly this way. These rules that the FAA has or, or that the AMA has is perfect for established clubs flying medium to large size like park jets and bigger. And doing all that kind of stuff. That that's a different style of flying than quadcopters, which is a different style of flying for the most part to foamies when you're getting started. So mm-hmm. all of those rule sets have kind of a purpose. And all the FAA requires you to do is fly by a rule set. So look at their rules and see what you need to do to comply and see what you, you know, and if you cannot fly by those rules and be in a designated area, then you put in, um, you know, uh, uh, what is that? Oh, remote ID. Thank you, remote ID unit. And then that's the other thing is um, flight test. Josh Bixler was on this. I'm going to send, we're going to put a link in the doobly-doo um, in the show notes uh, from, it was a Josh Bardwell interview of both those uh, John Messina and Josh Bixler, who are the heads of each of those two organizations, respectively. Um, and they're talking to Josh Bixler, and he's like, look, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we will sell you, rem- we'll find a way to get reasonably lightweight um, remote ID units that we can sell to you so that you have one. Um, and as a, um, not as a commercial pilot, but as a recreational pilot, uh, recreational flying, you you only need one for every, you know, all of your plane. You need to put that one in every in whatever you're flying at the time, but you only mm-hmm. need one, so it shouldn't be cumbersome. So he's hoping to get that down. Uh, I think I don't think he nailed a price point unit, but I got the impression he's kind of wants it to be about as much as a flight control board, as they currently are. I think about fifty bucks. Yeah, that'll be a significant drop in price because well, compared to the one that's think, out now. Yeah, well. The one that's out now is pretty high functioning too. Is it? it? Yeah, it doesn't. It has a a lot of the extra stuff you don't truly need. 
but it's it's good function to have, especially if you're having it as the heart of a of an autonomous unit or semi-autonomous. So fair, yeah. Again, you know, if you're going to say, like, hey, here's our catalog. Um, it's the only one available, so you're going to buy it. Oh, geez, somebody's selling a Pinto. <laughs> hey, here's a Pinto version. You can buy one, too. Um, I guess not to knock a Pinto, although, as I understand it, they deserved it. Um, those cars. Are- so take a look at the video. Uh, they really kind of go through. I'm a little bit, you know, I, I watch uh, Bruce Simpson, who's ex-Jet. I, I watch... Josh Bardwell, who does a lot of quadcopter reviews, and, you know, I, I enjoy the flight test videos, and I just kind of track where they're going and what the perspective is. I know that everybody has a different way of looking at it. Um, XJet uh, has a pretty cynical, I don't know, it's a realistic slash cynical view. He's just kind of like, you know, but these guys are run by politicians. Politicians do things differently than the, the average man, you know? Like that's mm-hmm. they they don't think about things the same way. Regulatory agencies, their job is different than what you think it is, <laughs> you know. And he's like, you you may want to watch because these kind of tactics are the the boiling water, um, the frog in the boiling water situation where it's like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. If we change this rule just a little bit at a time, where you don't care, uh, it'll give us a certain leverage to be able to do all of the things we want. So we'll we'll back off. We've got time. We'll get it there eventually, you know. And he's like, I know they're telling you it doesn't. You you don't need to do it yet, you know. They, they keep the real quiet, but they're they're telling you like, no, these are the things we're going to do. All that stuff in that initial release of the change of rules. That's what they want to do, and mm-hmm. they'll get there. It's kind of his perspective, right? And other than us saying that's baloney, we don't reckon to do it. And and that was the other thing. It's just like, look, everybody has a right to do that. Is to be non-compliant. And I'm. He goes, whether I'm a, a for it or against it, my job as a you know a CBO is to give you an avenue to do this and be part of the hobby legally. Like I want. That's our job is to help you legally be part of this. And you know whether or not I agree is not important, right? He goes, it is important, but it's that's not the role of this, you know. He d- did it more eloquently. I, I, it Just hearing the conversations made me feel like these guys have really paid very close attention. I think one of the big things they were saying is that um, the big concern is that the FAA is circumventing the, the rule organiza- the rule change uh, methods, right? Like you, as they when they put out the rule change, they had to put it out. It had to be out there for a certain amount of time. They had to get comments. They had to address every comment before they could enact the rules officially, right? And they had to right. see, see, you know, they go through that process, right? But if they have CBOs do it, <coughs> and all they do is say, we advise that you should do the following. If the CBOs say, okay, whatever you say, FAA, don't take our, our stuff away, right? If they go and enact it, FAA has not broken any rules, but now it's law. Now, if you're not following that CBO's rule, you're now not compliant with the law because they made it so that you have to be following under one of these rule sets. So if they suggest it to the rule set and the rule sets take it, they don't have to go through any vetting, but both of those heads of organizations have made it very clear that they're, they're very aware that that 
is something that could easily be attempted. And they, they're not going to have any of that. Like, that's, you can advise all you want. <laughs> it's our rule set. That's right. And if it doesn't make sense for our community, which is the point of the CBO, it's our community. We know it. We know what will keep us safe. Get out of here. <laughs> we'll write the rules, and that will be good. And if it's not good enough, then maybe you do a review of our rules. That's a different thing. You know, they don't have to grant the access, right? They don't no. have to grant the status as CBO. But by doing so, they've empowered the CBO to set the rule set. Well, we'll just have to see um, Yeah. So how, how well the heads of those organizations continue forward. Right. Yeah, yeah. As, as, they, as they go into the, you know, they may not be the same people as it goes forward. I, I imagine they will be generally, but, but maybe not. And everybody has a different perspective, and the FAA may get required in different ways. But it, it'll be interesting to watch. I urge you to watch the video. Josh Bridewell did a really good interview of both of those um, CBO heads and, and their take on the whole thing. And they, they seem to be very much in agreement. Like, you know, we, we each feel our community needs different rule sets, but we, both, we all want the same thing. We want, you know, people to enjoy the hobby that is, you know, is just, uh, it, it changes you for, for the better, mm -hmm. you know, and we want to see more of it. So, and hey, you know, Josh's heart is in the getting kids in and doing STEM because we've got like, you know, 40,000 STEM students right now that we, what are we supposed to tell them? No, you know, oh, no, you can't, you can't go out in your backyard and actually fly this. That's against the rules. That's against the law, federal law, for that matter. Yeah. That's pretty, it's pretty awful. Uh, if you, you know, he goes, we're already in a, a crunch as far as those industries. Are we really trying to make it worse? Because this gives us an avenue to make it so that we can do what we're, this is for. All this stuff is to foster that love so those industries can continue to flourish with the people who need to be there. Mm -hmm. but they won't be there if they don't know that they love it. So anyway, all right, I'll get off of that, but uh, check out the, <laughs> check out the interview is pretty good. Um, and keep an eye out for them because there, there's a lot of people take, having a different take. Like I said, I usually put up uh, Bruce Simpson stuff because he has, he seems to have a very keen critical eye um, about the possibilities of, of how it could be misused, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's healthy to at least consider that it's, it, it's quite possible. So just, you know, one of those, yeah, be aware. Um, all right. That's all I got for now. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we go into the history. I prepared as, uh, as much as I could. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a really cool, what I was, what I was really trying to find was I thought I had seen, because this plane just screams out, Make me out of foam board if I've never seen any other kind of plane that does that. <laughs> um, and there's a couple models that are. They're built out of foam board or built out of fan fold foam and stuff like that. And they, they're tremendous. They look amazing. Um, and we're talking about the F-117 Nighthawk, which is the stealth fighter. Which, seeing it from like <laughs> not to be ground, ground level... 
front on, that is not what I thought it looked like from the ground. No. I'm used to seeing it from above right. in the air. Yeah. It's basically a flat diamond-shaped plate, kind of. And yeah, then it's there's ugly like a, on the ground. Yeah, and it's a triangular bump on the top. Very faceted. Um, large, flat areas. Uh, and that's that's actually, and we'll get into why. Um, mm-hmm. But don't be confused, though, with the famous painting by Edward Hopper called Nighthawks. And done in 1942. <laughs> they, they're also, it is also Nighthawk, but that's not the one we're going to talk about. I know, um, I know a lady who could probably talk to you about it for 20 minutes solid. Because um, it is enigmatic. Very interesting. You should look at it. Um, if you haven't. But we're talking about the, uh, the front aircraft. So let's go through some basics on this. I'm going to do a general overview um, and kind of talk about some of the things I picked up from either different, you know, YouTube documentaries because it's well documented. And that's the other thing is, uh, you know, now that it's so far out, um, it was super secret at the time uh, in the Skunk Works division of Lockheed Martin. And um, so there's a lot to, to learn about. Like there's a bunch of documentaries on this craft alone. So mm-hmm. don't hesitate to go look at them. I'm going to kind of breeze over a couple interesting parts to it. Um, and then I'm going to go kind of go. Um, I listened to a podcast that one of our listeners turned me on to fighter pilot podcast. And one of their guests was an F one seventeen Nighthawk pilot. And he talked about some of his missions, um, which was really Ooh. pretty cool. And about what, it, you know, what it was like to fly this kind of stuff because it was, just, uh, they were used it during, um, desert storm. And, uh, I can't think of the other operation that was right there at the same time. Um, oh my God, I'm useless tonight. Anyway, so <laughs> desert storm, desert storm. And then it was like desert something. And I'm, I should know better. It was like, I was worried about my brother going off to war during that time. Yeah. I, I should know it as well. Uh, okay. So forgive us, but all of you listeners, just please, you're probably shouting at the radios right now. <laughs> you guys, how do you not know? Um, but I'll, I'll, uh, We'll, we'll go th- we'll go through it in just a little bit, okay? All right, so Lockheed, so the F-117 um, was called uh, the Nighthawk because uh, it primarily because it, it was it was going to be operated almost solely at night. It was created by Lockheed as um, it's a it is a retired American single seat twin engine stealth attack craft um, developed by their skunk uh, Lockheed Martin's Skunk Works. Division and operated by the United States Air Force. It's, Interrupting. Yes. Operation Desert Shield. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, Desert Shield and then Desert Storm. Yep. And Desert Saber. Whoa, easy, easy. I don't know about that. Yeah, neither did I. Look at you. Google. <laughs> don't give up your sources, sir. <laughs> no, good. Excellent. Thank you. Um yeah. And it, it was first. It was the first operational aircraft to be able to use uh, stealth technology. Um, so it was, and if I'm likely, I didn't put the really cool information in there. Nope, probably <laughs> didn't. Oh no, I did. I did. However. Um, so my son 
um, accidentally cracked my screen and it's a touch screen. So as I'm doing stuff, it starts randomly clicking spots mm -hmm. and performing functions because it's, it's uh, reading the capacitance. Okay. What are you looking for? Um, no, I did. There's, there's a, it's a whole thing about the radar, about what kind of, um, that's really disappointing because that was all, oh, I no, I don't want RC. That's why. Okay. It, it was about, uh, the, the details on the actual, um, uh, where, yeah, the background of basically why, uh, what the stealth technology was, where it came from, and why the plane looks the way it looks, right? So, okay. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I can tell you just from my own knowledge why it's shaped the way it is. Okay. Um, and that faceted view had to do, and I'm looking to see if there's a way that I can, uh, like, pull mm -hmm. up a previous version of this document that we're working on. But in the meantime, um, the, well, the heavy... Good the sharp facets, all the angles was for radar deflection. Right. It, it whereas, whereas now we focus on absorbing and giving low radar profiles. This was more about scattering, uh, and getting that radar not to be able to return directly to its point. So no, yeah. I, I guess the intent was that no angle, was in a position to reflect directly back at any emitter source. Right. So that way when what reflected back was very little to nothing. Mm -hmm. And and radar like birds had better radar presence than this plane. Yeah. Which which means you can't see it. I mean you could physically see it. It's not like it's not there. Um but that was actually the reason why it was painted black. Um, okay, let me finish let me finish what I was reading. I found the other part which is important. Um, so that's good. We'll get to that. All right. So the F-17 was based on the Have Blue technology demonstrator. Uh, the Nighthawks maiden flight took place on 19, in 1981 at Groom Lake, Nevada. And the aircraft achieved initial operational capability status in 1983. It was shrouded in secrecy all the way until it was revealed to the public in 1988. Of the 64 F-117s built, 59 were production versions and the other five were prototypes. Um, and I believe, uh, so the F-17, 117 was publicly, widely publicized for its role in the Gulf War um, of 1991, although it was commonly referred to as the stealth fighter. It was strictly an attack aircraft. So, so the F-117s took part in uh, the conflict in Yugoslavia, where one was shot down by surface air missiles by Russian surface air missiles in 1999. Uh, the U.S. Air Force retired the 117 in April of 2008, primarily due to the uh, the fielding of the F-22 Raptor, which is certainly a plane on my list for us to talk about. Because um, mm -hmm. I know a guy <laughs> who did an amazing job making a 50-millimeter model of that thing. And I know a guy who walked the Lockheed production line and saw them. Oh, get that guy on here. Let's talk to him. It's me. Good. Then we're going to get a special <laughs> guest when we talk about our F-22 Raptors, who knows all that stuff. Cool. 
Well, then I guess I would love it. Actually, now, now I'm trying to remember if I ever did actually see them. Well, I know I saw the C-130s. Those things are awesome. C- C-130Js, I think they were, because at that time they were doing the, t- the the clutches to disengage the blades. Okay. Um, Trying to remember... Look at you with the big I think I think I did get to see them in production. I know they were in production when we were there. Okay. Whether or not you saw were... parts of them or not is Yeah. It's been I mean, seventeen years ago. Well, I will say in the next couple of weeks, uh get get some uh, information on the F twenty two Raptor. We may not do it right away. We have a couple others that we kind of uh agreed to look into, but that's definitely on the list. Uh, and I want to rebuild my raptor. I really enjoyed that plane uh, before I <laughs> before I slammed it in the ground. Um, okay, let's see here. Um, right, so that was a big blow because I was like, it's completely undetectable. So what they what the Russians did was they used low frequency radar to detect where the plane was to redirect the high frequency radar when it got closer to find it, and then the SAMs were able to then take it out, and they also used their eyes. Because they they the the general is specifically telling him to listen and look for the plane. But, Wait, go, okay, go over this. Go over that low frequency radar thing again. So, <laughs> uh, the low frequency radar, they were using ultra low frequency. I think that's what it was called. They're using ultra low frequency radar to assist in the traditional radar. So it could actually detect where the craft was. Because they're using a different level of radar, it actually was enough to, for them to beat beat the stealthiness of the craft. Well, the way the way you had said it, and I don't see it in your notes here. It, it's not in the notes. It was I was watching a bunch of documentaries, so it was like a, so a blip for low, about thirty seconds in one of the documentaries. Right. So what what you had said, and the way I'm operating is that the low-frequency radar was picking up on where it had been. So it was somehow... It was getting enough information for them to get really close. It's almost like it was picking up on the exhaust of the plane. I don't don't even know. Again, I don't understand the technology well enough to know. But Mm -hmm. there's more than one strategy used to help reduce the radar signal. Um, and we'll, we'll cover that. And you mentioned some of them. Um, but I, I think it was like this radar is used. F- it was useful against the radar of the day, whatever frequency they used. But basically, they went back to an old technology that went with the lower frequency radar, which was not as probably as pinpoint accurate. Mm, okay. And consequently, it was able to to, to get kind of eyeballs in the right direction. And with that, it was able to... The Sam, one of the Sam's was able to catch it. So, okay. And so that's the thing is it's not the best, it's not the best fighter. It's not the fastest. It's not the most agile. It doesn't fly the best, but you don't see it until it's there. Mm-hmm. And it's too late by then, you know. <clears throat> okay. Um, so despite, uh, despite the type's official retirement, a portion of fleet had been kept in airworthiness condition. And the night Nighthawks have been observed flying since ni- uh, 2009. <coughs> <coughs> um, the fl- the, so what they were trying to do was to deflect the, ang- um, the radar. They used flat angular surfaces to reflect radar waves 
radar absorbing ionizing uh, paintball uh, ionizing ball paints. They are magnetically charged to capture some of the radar returns. Um, and mm-hmm. then they also had a smaller exhaust ports. And they also put, I think, uh, it was like fire-resistant bricks as well to line the port. So it reduced the infrared signature on the plane itself and some of the exhausts. So it, it reduced the heat of some of the exhaust to reduce the infrared signature. So it was designed yeah. so that it was hard to see by most traditional remote sensing methods. Right. And it also made it so that the surface-to-air missiles, if they're locking on for infrared signatures, and and actually set it so that the the exhaust was basically, it would gather past the back of the plane, as it were. So the hot spot would be behind the plane, which means the surface-to-air missiles would be going at the wrong spot, slightly. So that kind of thing. Like, there are multiple different ways. And again, I could be wrong, but that's my understanding from what I was hearing. Um, so, yeah, that, that's um, pretty, pretty freaking awesome plane. So let me go into how – so the reason why this even came about, why the, the plane started going, was in 1964, the Pyotr uh, – Pyotr? Yeah. Uh, Ufim Stiv. A Soviet mathematician published a semi uh, seminal paper titled Method of Edge Waves in Physical Theories of Diffraction in the journal of the Moscow Institute for Radio Engineering, which he showed, which showed the strength um, that the strength of the radar that returns from an object is related to its edge configuration, not its size. So based on like how its leading edge is, that's what you're getting stuff back from. Uh from STEM. Uh, Ufem, it's Ziv, yeah. I U- don't Ufem see Zev. him in the notes, so you're reading off something else. I am. I can put it in the notes so you can see it too. There we go. Wow. Yeah, there it is. Um, That's a name. Yeah, it's a name. Um, you, you, Ufem, 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 Ziv, Ziv. Yeah, Ufimsev. Uh, was uh, extending uh, theoretical work published by the German physicist Arnold Summerfield. He demonstrated that he could uh, that he could calculate the radar cross section across a wing surface and along its edge. The obvious and logical clu- conclusion was that even large aircraft could reduce the radar signature by exploiting this uh, this principle. However, the resulting design would make the aircraft uh, aerodynamically unstable. Um, and the state of the computer technology in the early 60s uh, wasn't enough to be able to actually um, to provide the kinds of flight computers that which would need to be able to uh, allow aircrafts like the F-117 and the B-2 Spirits to stay airborne. So they had to be fly-by-wire, as in there, there was a flight controller basically assisting the pilot. Mm-hmm. So the flight controller would be constantly making adjustments and the pilot would generally tell the plane where to go. And the plane would do it, but it would always be adjust, being adjusted by the flight controller. But it needed, you know, computers are fast enough and powerful enough to be able to do that kind of thing. Um, by the 1970s, when Lockheed a- a- analyst uh, Dennis uh, Overholster uh, found his paper, the Ophem Stev's paper, 
computers and software had advanced significantly, and the stage was set for the development of the stealth airplane. Um, and they ended up putting uh, now they about the color of the airplane. <coughs> apparently, pardon me. Apparently, the um, black is not the most ideal color. I think we've talked about this. Uh, re- reason why the black widow is glossy is that's harder to detect than matte black, right? Because you want the high highlight points to mimic stars, right? Sure. But they found that that's not the most optimal color for blending into the night. They found that it's more like a pastel-y blue-gray, which is the color of that first one that you see from the ground. But apparently, no fighter pilot was and with her spit was going to get in a a sissy pastel colored plane. So they painted a black. No. Yeah. yeah no. Apparently. Uh, it sounded like, I think the interview that they had like a little clip and it was basically one of the designers was like, yeah, that w- we told them what they needed. And then it was quickly vetoed to like, no painted black. <laughs> like, okay. What? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you overrule? Because I, your... I don't think they really cared about being seen as much as anything. They felt like black is good uh, enough. Okay, you know. And if you got a bunch of pilots, like I'm not, I'm not flying the blue egg. I'm not flying the little the robin's egg. <laughs> no thanks. Okay, fair, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Apparently, some of the first ones uh, that were built had small, smaller tail fins. I didn't realize that it it made it very unstable. They actually extended. Um, the tail fins from the prototype models. They used to call it a, the waggly, uh, what is it? The the galloping goblin or something like that, where basically Ooh. the tail would wiggle around Ooh. and it just, uh, they didn't like that. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of other really, you know, they have very interesting intakes. Those intakes are designed so that radar doesn't go into them, but air does. Um. And then, well, let's get into some specs. But yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's kind of... Uh, sounding. Yeah, we'll get into the specs and I'll tell you about the one, the thing I thought was just put, putting your mind in the the mind of the pilot who's trying to fly this mission, right? And I'll, okay. I'll talk about it briefly. He talks about it in greater detail. We'll put a link to it. Um, but let, let's go through some spe- uh, specifics. Um, it is a single man crew. Uh, its length is 65 feet, 11 inches, or almost 66 feet. Uh, the wingspan is 43 foot, 4 inches. The height is 12 foot, 5 inches. Um, the wing area is 780 square feet. Its airfoil is a lozenge section, three flats upper and two flats lower. So I don't know where, th- I'll have to see if there's a, I'll have to look into that link. Um, the empty weight was uh, two. Na- 29,500 pounds, and the max takeoff weight was five, uh, 52,500 pounds. The power plant was two General Electric F404 F1D2 turbofans engines. They had 9,000 uh, pounds of force of thrust each. So that's 20,000 pounds. So that's a one to... Uh, pounds of, yeah. 
That's not a lot of uh, thrust, right? I'm looking at it. It's not like a one to one or anything. Or two, uh, two general electric turbofans. Yeah, so nine thousand, nine thousand pound. Yeah, it'd almost be uh, like a five to two, or two to five thrust ratio. Um, it's it's max speed was almost six hundred knots at six hundred and eighty four miles per hour, which is Mach point nine two. Okay, so this thing wasn't going to pitch up in unlimited vertical. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could, but yeah, could it, I, I get with, no, with no. that power plant? No. Yeah, I suppose not. Right. So it, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a crazy bird, right? Um, its range was nine hundred and thirty nautical miles. A service ceiling was forty five thousand feet. The wing loading was uh, six seven point three pounds per square foot, and its thrust to weight was point four. Ah, yep, there it is. There it is, yeah. Now, the one, the thing I found interesting about this was that it had only uh, two internal weapon bays with one hard point each. So it had a total of two weapons. That's it. Uh, and they were equipped to um, carry, let's see, the GBU-10 Paveway 2 laser-guided bombs with... Uh, and basically different different uh, blast radius or blast power uh, warheads on it. But they're basically all the laser guided bombs. So they would drop these bombs and then basically fly them in to do a precise strike. And they would get the heck out. Before anybody knew what was going on, it was already too late. They were gone. Now, when mm-hmm. you look at those, though, um, based on the size, they, they had a... And this kind of brings us into... And it could carry a nuclear bomb, the B-6, the B-61 nuclear bomb if it had to. Um, yeah, they had, uh, let's see, the GBU-3031. 30, it's a GPS-guided munition, um, but basically same kind of, you know, 2,000-pound blasting frag penetrating warhead. Some massive kind of get-in-there bunker-buster kind of deal. Um, so this kind of brings into the story. So this, the fighter pilot's talking about his service and his career and, and then he flew this this plane. They were talking about some of the weirder, you know, it's it's not each each plane was kind of unique. None of them were really quite built the same, none of them quite performed exactly the same. You know? Hmm. Yeah, each of them was just a little, you know, they only made what, 80 of them? And they were making of them like three or four a year. So it's not like they were cranking these things out. They they took a lot of, I guess, somewhat unique care to get them put together. So consequently, each one was a little different. I guess each pilot would be like, oh, so this one's a little bit more stung, stung than the other one. They're like, yeah, that one over there is even even worse. So, you know, like, <laughs> <coughs> generally they perform the same, but um, they, they had little different quirks, right? Um, so he's flying this mission out, and I don't know if it was Desert Storm or Desert Shield. He was out in Kuwait somewhere, and he had to perform a mission where he had to release. He was flying at like 150 feet above the deck. Oh, Right, and going, you know, near Mach. You know, he's going, you know, pretty good speed. And he's dropping these warheads that he knows the blast radius of. And he realizes at that height, he doesn't have time to get out of the blast radius. So he drops the bomb and goes, oh, no. (laughs) And 
all of a sudden, his whole world, literally, the back end of the plane basically goes flipping over the front. What? Yeah. And he's panicking. You're like, oh, oh, my God. And, of course, you know what? I don't know if it was at that point. I think he said it was like 500 feet above the deck. I don't, I'd have to go back. I didn't listen to the episode again to, for that part. But, uh, I, again, I will link. I urge you to listen to this episode. It's really good. Uh, I don't think they curse in it. So I think it's family friendly. Uh, if it isn't, they identify it in the beginning. Um, so, yeah, the, the plane went flipping end over end like three, three different times. Um, and he was able to recover. Again, the flight assistance probably helped. Uh, yeah. The flight fly by wire part probably helped him a lot. And then he's like, "Oh, God, all right." And then he like, "Yeah, okay. but can you imagine the computer systems on board? <laughs> oh what God. they were thinking? Holy crap, we're in trouble!" Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, and he said he was he he was like his all of his uh, training kicked in. It was definitely a surprise. And he's like, "Oh no," um, but. He said, but I still, he still had to get the waypoint too. You know what I mean? So off he, you know, he made, managed to get control of it before it hit the deck. Um, managed to get back to where he needed to, got to mission two. He was, by the time I got to the second waypoint though, I knew what to expect this time. <laughs> so he dropped it and he kind of corrected ahead of time. So it wasn't as scary. He was, but yeah, uh, you should always be aware of, and we usually are, but be aware of the, the, the blast radius of the munitions you're you're dropping based on where you were and the height. Um, yeah, you don't want to be in the blast zone. I think it was, yeah, we uh we were. That <laughs> was it was a surprise. <coughs> you know, so it was I a, just big but the whole I point just, though was going in low so nobody saw and nobody heard until it was already too late. Yeah, yeah. but I figured at those speeds he'd have been out like I guess it. Enough. I guess it flipped him up, right, up and forward. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Ultimately, uh, uh, again, listen, listen, listen to the thing. I'm, I'm going to put a. Uh, I'll put a link into it uh, in our in our show notes. Joe, I urge you, um, if you listen to no other uh, podcast, just just listen to that. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and and he, he was. And he said, basically, you know, you go up on the bomber and you'd, you'd refuel and you go back and do the next mission. You know what I mean? Or you'd, you'd stop and, and land, pick up more munitions and off you were to do the next, uh, yes, next sortie. You'd have to, he goes, we did three or four in a night, you know, and it was, it was busy. And then he has a, a pretty fun, somewhat adult oriented, uh, cute story about when they were refueling. So. <laughs> he said it was okay. just one of those things that there was somebody in that plane that was helping motivate the pilots to do what they were doing. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's a funny one. But but the that part there, again, they talk about it in G-rated fashion. Okay. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm, I'm yeah. pulling pulling the episode now. <laughs> okay, you're good. Um, <clears throat> I was just gathering my thoughts there for a minute and seeing if we had anything else because that's um that's sort of the meat for this episode. We didn't have, like I said earlier, we don't have a main topic. Um, and I don't want to fluff it up too much. We uh, came on, we kind of talked about what we needed to talk about. Um, anything we want to 
Be sure we cover in closing, or you want me to go ahead and let um, us get out of here, man? Well, well, why don't like why don't we talk about what we're planning on, what we plan, what we think we're going to be building on New Year's Day? As we're a lot closer, I think we have a better handle on what the plan is. Yeah, I'll be hopefully finishing up the flurkin, and if I finish the flurkin, I'll hope I'll probably move on to the other skinned Spitfire. Mm, okay, good. That makes perfect sense. There we go. Mm-hmm. F-117 Nighthawk. Just kind of wrapping up some of these builds that I've got in a couple different stages. All right. Let's see. I'm just trying to see where this link goes, and I can't see where it goes. All right. All right. Well, anyway, I have it here, so I'll, I'll get listen to it on spotify well what so what am i going to be doing is that what you're asking i i was waiting yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) sorry um if i don't have the glider together i'm going to work on the final touches and testing everything i I may have that together before then but i'm also not going to hold my breath um Basically, yeah, we do a lot of cleaning off of stuff. Um, that and probably the 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 puree because the the um, the special K is ready. Okay, that one is ready. I think I have to put popsicles on the hatch. I think that's it. Um, so that one's ready. I need to get the motor, the electronics, and the puree. And so those two are probably the planes I'll be working on because I would like to fly. You know. Uh, all of those guys. I think that'd be a lot of fun to fly them around um, on New Year's Day. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if not, just share, share, <laughs> share what you, I love it when they have the, uh, people put the, the birds that say plans, plans. Fantastic. What? I'm not, in, in the, uh, our general chat, somebody's talking about a plane. Uh, that they've got the, the the GB is a big favorite, uh, right? <laughs> okay, and anytime somebody it. says, "Oh, we got oh, you do the plane." Oh, do you have the plans? <laughs> plans, <laughs> plans. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, okay. all right. But no, I I really don't have anything else other than that. I mean, other than I really truly wish everybody had uh, spectacular holidays with the you know, with their family and getting to spend hopefully some time doing the things they love in the hobby. Um. I know I'm excited that I get to see you in a couple of days. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. that's like have my own kind of Christmas. Um, and really have everybody have a spectacular new year. And if you're not at the build night, we'll catch you shortly after that uh, with the following episode. Well, uh, I would leave. I would leave. Wow. This is actually coming out the last day of 2022. I know. Uh, Happy New Year. Let's, <laughs> let's leave everybody with a bit of motivation. Um, which is easy for us because like I got a new career position halfway through this year because mm-hmm. my company went out of business. Um, mm-hmm. and so I had to, and you were kind of in a position where you needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've both made major changes. Um, and both times were scary and both times were, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And both times, fortunately and blessedly, have worked out um, for the better. And 
I know so far in this role, I have aimed to do this, but going into 2023, just in your own personal world, in your life and things going on, seize it. Seize 2023. Make it yours and do with it what you're going to do. If there's something you think you got to do or that you've been fretted, do it. Make the jump and go. Because that's, that's what held me up for too many years. Mm-hmm. Was that was that fear of jumping? Uh, much like uh, even people talking about having ideas that they want to try. And, for example, hey, let's start a podcast or whatever. That's um, one that most people, the, the common tripping point is starting. Mm-hmm. Is getting that fir- first step started and getting moving. Once you're moving, momentum will help. And you know what? Uh, that's something I've wanted to kind of encourage at some point. We just never seemed like a good time, but yeah, if you want to, if you want to make 2023 your year to do a podcast, like go for it. If it's mm-hmm. about, if it's about, you know, RC aviation, what, you know, what you're doing in the hobby, what Matt and I are doing, like you want to do that, do it. <laughs> you're oh. not competing with us. Join in and and do the thing, and Matt and I will be happy to offer you whatever guidance you seek if you happen to reach out to us in that regard, or right. go about your own. Because um, we got a guy in the community that fired one up recently, don't we? Yeah, I was actually going to mention that. Um, uh, my namesake, Matt. Um, Bush. He goes by Bushhawk RC. He's uh, in South Africa. He's been to countless build nights, despite it being four o'clock in the morning or something. On his end, most of the time, yeah. oh my gosh, what are you doing to go to sleep? He's like, no, I want to build. I want to build with you guys. Um, and he's he's awesome. Uh, he actually had his inaugural episode with me. I don't know why. He managed. <sighs> Poor guy. No, I'm just. He kidding. likes you. I no. I, it was really. It was a great time, honestly. So here, I'm going to actually put a link, um, in at the end of our show notes here. As with well, his. with with his uh, thing. We also have nice. in the show notes, um, here we go. That's uh, He put it out as a YouTube video. Um, that's his first episode. He's been pumping them out pretty regularly. Uh, I think he's on four or five now. Wow, look at him. Uh, hold on. And hey, remember our first couple. They were no, I, terrible. I, oh, they weren't terrible. They were they were just more rough around the edges than we want. Episode two, I think is what he's on, but he's he's done a couple uh, special kind of rules and regulations editions. Like we keep oh, doing okay. the FAA episodes because apparently iMac is what he's uh, maybe possibly governed by. I haven't caught up on that episode. Um, oh, no, he's talking about the, the acrobatic competitions. So he he talked to the guy from Australia. That's what it was. And he basically had a long conversation with that guy. Um, I'm, you'll have to go look over there. Um, his name is Matthew Dupree. And, uh, yeah, he's he's super enthusiastic. He wants to get South Africans excited about it. The, the materials and methods available and cost-effective down in his region are not the same as other parts of the world. Every, every part has a different, seems to have a different restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, for him, foam board costs like $10 a sheet. 
You know what I mean? Something like that. He's like, I'll make my own. Forget this. (laughs) So everybody else tune into him and see what he's got going on or take inspiration from him. Mm -hmm. And And just the example of, you know, most people don't do a podcast. They've got all this idea and you keep asking them year after year. Hey, have you ever started a podcast or you ever started doing the whatever? Maybe it's an aquaponic system. You want to be self-sufficient. Like, well, I never really did it. I never quite got off the ground. I got all the plans. I'm ready. But there's just something. Mm-hmm. Put the sum aside and give it a shot. You'd be surprised at the outcome. Whatever it is, do it in 2023. Hey, I'd like to give a special thanks for Richard for putting our logo, um, what are the roundels, on the bottom of his, um, it looks like his, uh, oh, my God. Uh, Blue Angel style foamy wonder. Yeah, I saw that. Yep, and yep. and that 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 looks fantastic. Uh, Devin, uh, he made a lazy bee uh, out of foam board, pretty big one for his daughter, and he he made it purple and pink because that's her favorite colors, and it turned out great. It looked beautiful. I can't wait to see uh, the video of it flying. Let's see, Tench seven four five Brian. I remember we we met him at Flight Fest. Um, he has a couple of planes that he's been putting together. He made a giant purple version of a little purple um, Fisher Price type plane. It looks fantastic. It is such a great job. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ex- eager to see that one in the air if it makes it. Um, like we were talking about, Richard put together the Foam Wonder, did it in the um, Blue Angel style. And, you know, he's been a big supporter of the podcast and we appreciate that. Um, so everybody, uh, we've got a couple push pictures of Bushhawk RCs. He made a, a red, white, and blue plane, kind of like a Norwegian flag. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a, after a different flag. But it's a really great, it's like a um, simple stick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ones I that Ron and Tom talk is. about. Yeah, it's what Ron and Tom talk about all the time. Um, yep. Yeah, but it's great. Stark, uh, just the, the color scheme on that is striking. And it looks like it's just so easy to tell what's up and down and left and right and easy to tell it apart when you, <laughs> if you lost it in the field. And we've got another picture. And this is just like stuff over the last month. I mean, people have been really active in the build group. And it's just, I guess my point is, it's very heartening to see uh, everybody's excitement. Um, I want to thank everybody for kind of, you know, being active in that community and really making it something worth coming back to. I think, you know, Tony has told us, He's like, that's why I keep coming back here. Like, this is some of the best community that's around that's active. You know, there's a lot of people who are in a community, but they don't do anything. He goes, mm-hmm. we're always building, like always building. And he goes, I've I've built more planes hanging out with you guys than I've than I've built with hardly anybody else. You know. Um, there, there you go. And it's it's the community doing that. That's not necessarily me or you. It's right. And at this point, yeah, I'm seeing people jump in the the build groups all the time, which is wonderful. Oliver uh, has a 3D flying jet. Um, really cool. He, it's a commercial. He, I think he recommended that or, or something from the same company. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the name of the company is. Uh, I, I, Multiplex, I think. Um, and basically, uh, he's like, these are great 3D flyers. They, you won't be disappointed. It's a great way to get started. Um, you'll learn a lot, and it's durable. So it's like they're made out of EPO or, or, some, or EPP, I think. 
Yeah, it, it's a profile. Yeah, it's it's just a profile 3D flyer kind of deal. It's nothing um, earth shattering or anything. But I watching him fly those kind of jets and those kind of planes is so inspiring. So <laughs> I'm glad that he was he put that together and he shared it with us. That was really cool. So I want to again thanks to the community who's really um, made this podcast uh, and inspired Joe and I um, to to keep going and and. Just enjoy it, I think, more than we probably would have on our own. I can agree with that statement. But I think we're starting to ramble. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Well, guys, as always, thank you for tuning in and listening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as Matthew and I have enjoyed having it. Uh, Thank you for bearing with us on a week when we didn't have a whole lot to talk about, uh, but we still managed to burn uh, almost an hour and a half of your time, and we apologize for that. <laughs> but thank you for sticking or, with or us. Horse voices it. and coughing at all. <laughs> um, as always, feel free to reach out. Let us know if you got any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. AviationRCNoob at gmail.com. You can reach Matthew at Matthew at AviationRCNoob.com. Or you can reach me, Joe, at AviationRCNoob.com. Swing by the Facebook uh, group. Hop into a Discord server, mm-hmm. uh, whatever way works best for you. Um, 2022 is over. Goodbye. We'll see you guys Bye in 2023. Yep. <clears throat> and yeah, coming up, we got three years. Yeah. Yay. That's crazy. I'm so excited. Uh, All right. Well, then I guess <laughs> let's let's end this one on a happy new year. Happy new year, guys. Happy new year, guys. Talk to you then. Bye.